Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Missouri pre-fishing for the tournament, you know, it's like 
you know, we all have something in our mind that we think should work or is going to work and nine times out of 10, it doesn't necessarily work out that way. And we end up, you know, going back to the drawing board and, you know, crossing off those boxes until we find something that does work. So, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Like I see a lot of like newer fishermen get so frustrated when they don't catch a fish, right? Cause that's a bummer. But if you take that and you put that in your, you know, database aka the back of your mind for the next time you go out you know you know what what not to try and what areas not to fish unless obviously you know there's fish there you just couldn't catch them so i mean that's just kind of my two cents on it but yeah yeah um i was about to go off something you said i lost it um oh i was gonna say for me one of my I think one of my biggest issues I've had is I'm kind of a creature of habit. So whenever I start feeling comfortable with something like that's pretty much all I throw. Sure. So for, for the first several years of me fishing, all I really had luck on was a jig. And, sure. uh, like I would try to throw something else. And after a few casts, if, but I didn't get no bite or anything, then I'd go back to that jig and I'd just keep throwing it. And, you know, they're not always going to be biting a jig, but that's pretty much all it's throwing. Right, and, right. I mean, we we all get comfortable with that certain bait or technique that, you know, just seems to work or, or that has worked for us, right? And, I, I mean, I've been guilty of that where I just leave, you know, the same things tied on and you know we end up not getting successful you know whereas we should change it up and that's something that it took me a long time to overcome like hey this isn't working time to switch baits you know oh this isn't working time to switch baits i think you know when you break it down i think you know mentally we're just out there trying to relax have a good time and enjoy our time on the water and, you know, you don't want to go through all the hassles of cutting a bait off and retying it because then you're losing time fishing, so to speak. So I think that's the big thing is, you know, you just got to get past that and just take the time, retie baits, and try something until you find something that works, you know. Right, right. Yeah, I'm getting a little better about that. Um, I've kind of switched up to the comfort uh with my comfort bait this year i bought a couple whopper ploppers and sure. uh, man i had some success off those and after that i i, I don't really want to put it down anymore <laughs> <laughs> but well but they're like i was saying earlier with the jig they're not always hitting the jig they're not always hitting top water so you gotta right. mix, right. mix it in there especially right now in the summer months because like at you know maybe later at, at night or late afternoon or early in the morning might hit some top water but when it gets real hot you know you generally don't get a whole lot of success out of top water yeah i mean I, in my experience like top water is either usually for me personally um to either 
you know, that first two hours in the morning after the sun comes up or the last two hours of the evening. Now, I have had days like, you know, um, I, I love throwing a black buzz bait. That's like, that's like one of my go-tos. And, you know, I've had good success all day on that when it's really overcast, there's some chop on the water, you know, things like that. I had one of my, one of my best days on my home lake was throwing a black buzz bait from, I think it was like seven in the morning till, till all the way till like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I caught multiple fish over 18 inches, I think. Um, but it was, uh, heavily overcast. It almost looked like it was going to thunderstorm and it, it never did rain that day, but there was some wind. So there was some chop on the water and this and that, and it just set those fish off. But, um, yeah, for me personally, I know guys that'll fish top water all day long. Um, and they will get success, but you know, for me personally, I usually just do it that first two hours in the morning or last two hours uh, of the evening. So, but let, let me ask you this right here. Um, it, you know, we're in August now and uh, sure. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how hot it gets of where you live. I'm in Tennessee and it gets pretty hot down here. Uh, so when it does get really hot during the day and uh, you go deeper, I know you you have a fish finder on your kayak, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, if you one one thing I've been trying to figure out is if I don't have a fish finder or a depth finder that shows me structure that's in that deep water, like how do you really find it? Is it just where you fish that water so much you start learning that water and like find it that way, or is is there a way to tell where where the fish are going to be down there, or um, you just rely that much on, or rely on that fish finder to? Uh, yeah, usually, usually when I'm fishing deep water, um, yeah, I resort heavily on my electronics for sure. Um, however, that's I don't have yet. So I got. I yeah, gotta work so, on that. <laughs> so, however, like if you're fishing. Um, you know, a decent sized body of water, uh, a good thing to do is go on to Navionics. And uh, Navionics is a wealth of information, you know, because you can see those contour lines, you can see the breaks. I mean, you, nece- you won't necessarily see where like the weed edge is or something like that, um, but you can find that. We'll get into that in a second. But, um, you know, if if you can go on to Navionics and, you know, obviously if you're fishing like a small pond or something, you're not going to necessarily have contour mats for that on Navionics. But if it's a, a general public body of water, you should be able to find that on Navionics and um, check out the contour lines. Um, You know, usually when I'm looking for deep water, I'm looking for some kind of structure. And structure can mean a number of things. It could be, you know, um, where there's a drop-off or a ledge, um, 
a change between sand and rock, uh, a change between muck and sand. Um, you know, finding that weed edge is usually key. Um, if you can find some like humps out offshore on the map, that's always good. And not only that, but um, I mean, I do, I don't have it, but Navionics has. Uh, an app and I think it's a couple bucks a month and you can have basically that depth chart live on your phone or you can just use the web browser go to navionics.com uh, or something and they have the chart viewer there however I think you get a little bit more detail um, with the paid app um, but that's a good free or somewhat free tool to use. I mean, you can look at those charts at home and just kind of take notes mentally and then go out there. However, if you have that app, um, you'll have GPS when you open it up. So you can tell right where you're at on the water. Um, you know, obviously all bodies of water change with, you know, how much it's been raining um, or like where I'm fishing this week down here in Missouri, um, this is a reservoir. So the water has actually dropped five feet in the past two weeks. So it's, it's, it's really changed up where those fish have gone. Uh, two weeks ago, you know, when the water was up five feet, there was all kinds of structure like trees and bushes and, uh, logs, um, different rock structures that those fish were hiding out in, uh, just from talking to some locals here. Um, whereas now it's just all rock bottom. Everything's the same. So there's a couple, you know, key features that you kind of got to look for, um, out here right now that are holding fish. But, uh, going back to like finding weed lines and stuff. You know, basically what you can do is just um, throw on, like, your jig, right? You sounds like you always have a jig tied on. And just throw it out deep and let it sink to the bottom and start ripping it through the weeds until you don't feel those weeds on your line anymore. And then you can find that weed edge, and then you can kind of focus on fishing that weed edge, like, out, out in the deeper water. You know, some of those bigger bass, uh, you know, after they spawn, they like to move out in that deeper water um, and hold to that grass line or, you know, uh, brush piles, you know, rock piles, things like that, um, you know, in those summer months. And, um, you know, if you look for stuff like that, uh, you should be somewhat successful. However, there should always be some bass up shallow as well. But one thing that I've come to learn is, you know, those bigger females, they like to move out deep after they get done spawning. If you can find those, you're going to have one heck of a day on the water, especially when they're hungry. So, but that's just, I mean, that's how I would go about it if I didn't have, you know, a, a depth finder. You know, I would rely on that Navionics and, you know, um, just working baits, trying to find weed edges, things like that. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Navionics because I've I've heard of that, and it, I might have heard it from um, 
paddle and fin podcast, like y'all talking sure. about it. But uh, I've been interested in that, uh, just hear, hearing yeah. about it, and that's something that you know people that you know new to bass fishing or something that might listen to this podcast might be interested in. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a great tool. Um, like I said, it's 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 not going to have everything for every body of water. Um, you know, like your smaller ponds and, you know, I know like my home lake is a, is a private lake. However, it's, it's on there and it's got all the contour marks, uh, or contour lines and everything. And then I know, um, so one of the things they do to that lake, um, in the winter time is they'll drag, uh, trees out on the ice. And once the ice melts, the trees drop to the bottom. So somebody has gone in and, like, put those locations on the map. And that's the thing, too, is, like, you know, uh, if you have the app and you find something, um, you could either mark it as either public or just on your own personal profile, like Weed Edge here, or you found a rock pile or a brush pile or something like that. You can mark that on that app. And then go back and visit it. And some people actually mark that stuff publicly, so it kind of helps you, you know, find those certain things that you're kind of looking for um, at those certain times of year, you know. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, if it was me and I didn't have a depth finder, that that is one tool I would definitely utilize. Um, Yeah, I'm going to get on that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, check it out. If you just go online, um, go to navionics.com. I think it's navionics.com. And then it, in the little menu bar there, um, you click that and just click chart viewer, and it'll pull up a map of the United States. And you go, you know, to your home area, and you can zoom in on different bodies of water, and it'll show you exactly which ones have, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, depth, depth markings, you know, and, and different, you know, stuff. And then it's got a little cursor, so it'll give you the exact GPS coordinates on um, where those spots are and everything like that. I mean, that's a, that's a huge tool for, for it being a free thing. Um, I know the app you got to pay for, so that way you can, like, save stuff to your profile and things like that. But you can actually look that up. I mean, that's something that, I still to this day utilize when I'm going to a new body of water I've never fished before, like uh, Mark Twain down here. I looked at Navionics probably 20 times um, just to look at different features of the lake um, and different things I was looking for that I thought would hold fish. And then I kind of compile a list and I go and hit all those different spots and you know, slowly whittle it down to only a few spots um, where I plan to fish come tournament day. But, you know, for for just going out and fun fishing, I mean, you can go out and, you know, basically do the same thing. Like, oh, this looks like a good spot to fish. Um, I'm going to go try it today. And then if that doesn't work, go back to the map, find another spot, and just keep going down the line until you find an area that's holding some decent fish or you know, fish that are going to suit your needs and, you know, just keep, keep compiling that list. I mean, 
that goes back to how we started this, you know, it's a never ending learning process. And obviously, you know, with season changes and water temperatures and stuff, those fish are going to hold in different spots. So, um, I know, uh, a lot of people that, uh, start fishing journals or fishing logs and they'll go in and, you know, okay, on this date, you know, it was this temperature, uh, it was partly sunny and I fished this area and I caught three bass, you know, so that way they can go back that, that next year say, oh, this is where I fished here. It was either successful or it wasn't, you know, so that's something too. Like I know a lot of guys that geek out on that kind of stuff. It's a little extra work, but, um, you know, in today's day with technology and stuff, there's uh, that new uh, angler bullseye. I don't have one. However, um, that basically creates a fishing journal for you. Every time you catch a fish, you push a little button and it saves it on the app and it tells you what the air temperature was, what the moon phase was, the barometric pressure, uh, you know, where you were fishing. Uh, you can even put in how big the fish was that you caught and things like that. So, I mean, there's many different ways to do it and it's becoming easier and easier uh, with technology. But, um, you know, that's just some pretty inexpensive stuff to invest in that can kind of help you compile the info you need without a depth finder. Yeah, so that, I know that, that was, that was kind of long and drawn out, but no, you no, know. it's good information that that's some stuff that could really help out somebody that's new or somebody like me that's just sucks. <laughs> uh, so you're fishing a tournament tomorrow and you're in Missouri. Yeah, yeah, I'm in, uh, uh, I'm staying in the town of Center, Missouri, but, uh, we're fishing Mark Twain Lake, and it's, uh, just north, northwest of St. Louis, basically. Okay. So, do you know how <laughs> many, how many anglers, and this is a kayak tournament, just to clarify, uh, mm-hmm. this KBS you know how many anglers are in this tournament off the top of your head? Um, I can pull it up here because I'm curious too because everybody likes to wait till the last minute to sign yeah. up. <laughs> um, I think last time I checked, there was, I think it was close to 60, I want to say. Um, you know, the Central Trail, it's been kind of weird this year. Um, it It varies. Oh, wow. Uh, it says as of right now, there is 45. However, I'm sure a few people will sign up last minute and we'll probably be over 50. Oh, but what's, uh, what's the deadline on signing up for those tournaments? Um, Usually it's the evening before. However, the last two... Um, it's been like an hour before lines in, I think. So if you last minute decide you want to fish that tournament, you can sign up. Um, but yeah, central trail, it's, it's been weird. We've had anywhere between, well, I guess 45 is the lowest I've seen. Um, but, um, usually we average about 60 to 80, I think roughly. 
that's that's quite a few people out there. Oh yeah, oh yeah, so, yeah. And there's there's some really good really good anglers um, in the Central Trail. I mean, I'm staying with three of them. I got. Uh, uh, Are you counting Alan yourself? Re- no, I never count <laughs> myself. I got. Uh, I'm with uh, Alan Reed, Sam Jones, and Dylan Fuqua. So. Quit. I always mess up his last name, but yeah, I don't even want to try to pronounce that name. I don't, I don't, I don't know him, but he won a is tournament it, not is too it long Fuqua ago. Fuqua or Fuqua? Fuqua. See, I always butcher it. Sorry, man. Fuqua. <laughs> so hey, he but, won a uh, tournament not too long ago, didn't he? Uh, the kid has won quite a few tournaments this year. Um, so we have um. We have a podcast releasing on Monday with him. Uh, I wasn't part of it. Uh, that was uh, Jason Rifkitz and Jay Randall recorded with him. Um, but that will be released Monday on Paddle and Finn. And uh, he took first at Madison. He took sixth at the Mississippi River. Um, he took second down at Santee Cooper and I forget what else. Um, but I know um, from from listening to the podcast and doing all the editing, um, he's made a little over $9,000 this year. Wow. How old he is just, he? He's still he a teenager. Just, just turned 15. Oh, wow. The kid is a stick. I mean... Sure. He's saving up for a first car, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were talking about that the other night because he was making fun of my truck because I had a little rust on it. And I said, you better get used to it, dude, because your car, first car is going to have the same thing. So, but um, what a what a great, humble kid, though. I mean, and just uh, one hell of a fisherman. Um, I, you know, I look up to him, and I'm 37 years old. You know, he's he's just a great, great angler. So and I'm I'm very fortunate that I got to know him this year, so but uh Yeah, I might yeah. I might have to try to reach out to him eventually, get him on here, see if he can Oh yeah. Put some yeah, I bet I, b- I bet he'd be up to it. Just ask him about Zoom baits and he'll tell you all about him. <laughs> he that that's like his his jam right there. He likes throwing zoom plastics. So, so uh, would would you fish in the tournament tournament tomorrow? You know, this podcast the tournament will be over by the time it comes out. So, uh, would I be able to talk you into sharing with sharing with us uh, what kind of techniques you're going for tomorrow? Yeah, let me. <laughs> Get away from the gotta, <laughs> Yeah, just gotta make sure they're not around. Um No, uh so uh I started out uh my first fish when I got down here, um I was throwing um a jig with uh Berkeley Chigger Craw on the back. Um I was using green pumpkin just because the water is is relatively clear i mean it's not clear clear but um it's probably about two foot of visibility or so um so i was getting them on that um and then the heck else 
Um, I've been using uh, some creature baits as well with a pegged weight in front of a three-odd offset hook, um, and that's been working good as well, just slowly working them on the bottom. Um, uh, today I was throwing a crayfish, just a straight crayfish on an offset hook with a weight pegged, and, you know, that worked as well. So um, it, you know, like I said, this this lake, because the water has dropped so much, um, it's basically all rock. And um, the key features I've been looking for is um, long extending points coming out into the main body of the lake. Uh, with drop-offs on both sides, and those fish are just kind of sitting on top of those points. And um, I'm casting to the shore and just letting that bait sink. Uh, sometimes I'll just do a like a pop, drop, pop, drop, uh, slow retrieve. Um, there's been a few times where um, I've just casted it out and just let it sit there and shake it a little bit and then do a pop and drop. So, um, I mean, that seems to or has seemed to be the trick for me, so to speak. Um, some of the other things I did try was a spinnerbait, swim bait, swim jig, crankbait, um, what else, med rig. Uh, only caught bluegill on a ned rig um, and a crappie. Um, so, so has pre-fishing gone pretty good? You pretty confident about it? Or? Um, you know, it seems like the the common theme for everybody. You know, uh, us kayakers, we like to talk amongst ourselves at the ramps and stuff, and. It seems like half the field isn't on fish, or they've caught just a couple. Um, there's a lot of fish in that uh, 12 to 14 inch range. So I think it's all going to boil down to how many 15 plus inch fish you can get, and then how many of those good kicker fish you can find. Um, my biggest I caught last night was 17 inches. Um, so if I can, you know, if you get five fish at 17 inches, that's an 85 inch average or uh, 17 inch average is 85 inches. So, you know, uh, I think that would be a decent finish. Um, but there are some local sticks that fish this body of water quite a bit. So, you know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see over 85 inches. So um, it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, I I always say I'm confident. Um, I I do question myself, but um, you know, it'll be interesting. I I don't like to, you know, make prejudgments before the tournament actually goes down. So <laughs> right. But well, um, something I wanted to go back on here. You know, I'm not real familiar with tournaments, especially kayak tournaments. I've been kind of learning just from talking to people, but I haven't actually sure. fished any. Now, you said something about, you know, c catching fish over 15 inches. Um, yeah. You know, most of them that I've, most tournaments that I've heard of are like anything 12 inches or more. Is this one 15? 
No, 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 no. So, um, oh, you're just saying the it, ones that will really help you out. Yeah. Or more. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, pretty much, I think every kayak tournament I've fished was maybe the exceptional one. It's usually a 12 inch minimum. Um, so, you know, the fish has got to be 12 inches or more for you to be able to submit it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, um, yeah, I think it, the key is going to be definitely, I mean, if you can have five fish 16 inches or over, you're going to be looking pretty good. Um, but, you know, again, um, you know, I just had a conversation with one of the guys here that he talked to quite a few people at the ramp today, and it, you know, it was a mixed bag. It seemed like a lot of guys didn't find any fish. Um, or just one or two. And I mean, I talked to one guy at the last ramp I was at today and he said he fished all day and he probably covered five miles of ground and he only caught one fish, um, or one bass and it wasn't that big. So now the kayak, I was going to say the kayak community from what I've experienced of it. I haven't really experienced the tournament side of it so much. So, like, I, I always hear, like, how good of sportsmanship it is in uh, in kayak fishing and people talking about how sportsmanship is so much better in kayak fishing than, like, boat tournaments. And now, what's the chances of these guys just telling you they ain't finding any fish when they really um, are? Like, they're usually pretty uh, honest about that. Yeah, for the most part, you know, if a guy's on fish, you know, he'll kind of have a grin and he'll tell you he's on fish. He won't tell you what size fish, but usually if he says he's on fish, that means he's on some pretty good numbers. Um, But yeah, for the most part, um, you know, guys won't tell you what they're using, what they're throwing, what they're looking for, but they'll tell you if they're on fish or not. Um you know, you usually and then you find just that follow out. them to your to their spot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know it's funny. Like we we always have that joke uh, going on in our our little group here, and even at the ramps. You know, uh, on the morning of the tournament, like, am I following you or are you following me? You know, type <laughs> deal. And uh, you know. Uh, for the most part, everybody is totally respectful. You know, if you get to a spot first and you're there fishing, a guy will either hang back or he'll say, hey, bud, is there if I fish alongside you with it in this or, you know, this and that. Um, but for the most part, uh, most guys are pretty respectful. Um, you know, uh, once in a while, you know, we'll, we'll joke with each other. And, you know, like today, I think uh, – Dylan shot me a message and asked me if I was on fish, and I told him I caught five twenties and one twenty-two inch, and uh, <laughs> we laughed about it, you know, because we we both knew that was BS. But um, yeah, man, I mean, for the most part, um, yeah, kayak guys, uh, you know, I just saw um, a guest we had on uh, paddling fin at one point. Um, he fished a tournament up in Michigan. And uh, he went out of the wrong launch in the morning or he launched at the wrong time or something. And uh, he called the tournament director and said, hey, I messed up. I'm just uh, DQing myself. Um, so that's the type of guys that 
uh, you know, are in this sport. We're real honest, and uh, you know, we we just want to be right. We don't want to, you know, do anybody wrong or, you know, um, don't get me wrong. There's cheating in every sport. There's always something going on, um, but uh, for the most part, you know, I would say. 99% of the kayak community is real honest and genuine and they want to do the right thing, not only for themselves, but be fair to the others that they're competing against as well. That's cool, man. Like, but, you know, we kayak fish for fun and, uh, right. and, you know, tournaments, of course, everybody, a lot of people were, me, I'm very competitive. But it's still, you want to still keep the fun in it. And, you know, if you're out there, you know, cheating or just being a butt to everybody, you know, that's that's not fun. You're going to ruin it for yourself and other people. So it's cool. It's cool you don't go out there and joke with each other and all that and still have that competitive drive. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, at the end of the day, we all have the same goal. We just want to go out, enjoy our time on the water, and catch fish. Uh, the paycheck is just a bonus. You know, if, if you cash a check at a tournament, that's awesome. It's cool. You know, it's just a bonus. But, you know, um, you know, for the most part, you know, it's it's just all about going out, having a good time on the water, sharing some laughs with, with others, and, uh, you know, hopefully catching some fish. So, um, you know, yeah, we get competitive. That's for sure. I mean, that's just the nature of the game. But at the end of the day, you know, um, making sure everybody's safe, gets back to the launch at the end of the day, uh, making sure everybody had a good time and this and that. I mean, I haven't experienced it, but I've heard numerous stories where guys have had a bad day on the water flipped their boat, lost a bunch of gear, and, you know, because the kayak community is so tight-knit, you know, that word spreads by the end of the day, and, you know, before we all all go, or before all the guys go home, you know, a lot of times they're throwing this guy a bunch of gear, you know, spare gear and stuff to, uh, you know, help the guy out so he can get back on the water, you know, it's like I've heard numerous stories like that. Um, That's really cool. Just to help each other out, you know what I mean? Because, you know, let's face it, if you or I went out and uh, one of us flipped our boats, you know, you lose a bunch of gear, man, you know, we don't want you staying off the water. We want you to get back out there doing what you love. So we'll do, we'll come together and do what we can do to, you know, get you back out and, you know, catching some fish in your boat, you know? So, um, yeah, man, I mean, uh, I I mean, you know, I haven't been in the kayak fishing game as long as uh, many others. However, um, you know, just being in it, uh, this is my my rookie year for the tournament scene. Um, You know, just this year alone, I've met so many great people, um, you know, doing the Paddle and Fin podcast. You know, I reach out to folks sometimes and they're like, absolutely, would love to talk you know um because they know we're all about growing this sport and things like that and uh we all kind of have the same goal in mind just getting people off the bank out on the water 
having a good time, catching fish, whether you compete or not, it doesn't matter. Um, it's just uh, getting you out fishing, basically. So that's that's really cool, man. And uh, about the whole losing gear, you got your phone tether with you out there. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep, I got, uh, my phone's always tethered now, so, um, man, it's like I can't do a podcast without talking about losing <laughs> my damn phone, but, uh. I had to bring yeah, it up, I'm sorry. No, it's all good, man. Um, it, see, and that's the thing, too, is, like, you bring it up, but it, and, and I joke about bringing it up, but, um, I don't mind telling the story at all, because if I can help somebody not make the same mistakes as I, like, that's what it's all about. And well, so and it's like what, as, as many times as I've told the story, like um, I've had numerous people reach out like, hey, never thought of that. Um, thanks for sharing what happened. So um, I was fishing a big tournament down in Tennessee. Um, and day one of the tournament, I had a fish on the board, you know, because we go all go by inches in the kayak world. Um and you have to take a, a fish, a picture of the fish on your bump board, and then you submit it to uh, Tourney X, which is the app where they judge your fish and everything like that. Well, I had taken a picture of the fish, and I had my bump board in my lap. That was mistake number one. Um, get the photo taken, and I still had the fish on my bump board and was going to type in the size of it, and then you click submit, and then that's usually when I put the fish back after I get the photo submitted just in case if there's any issues. So um, as I'm typing in the inches, the fish flopped off the bump board, hit the bottom of my phone, up in the air it went and into the lake. And uh, so now uh, I get a tether on my phone that's tethered to my life jacket. So if I do drop my phone, um, it's not going to the bottom of the lake. It's, it's attached to me. And there was an instance uh, just recently, when was that? I think it was last week or something. I was on the water, and uh, I forgot to zip up my pocket on my life jacket, uh, but I had my phone tethered, and I was bending over to pull up the landing gear on the blue sky, and the uh, phone fell out of the life jacket, hit the deck of the boat, and then I, you know, grabbed the tether and you know, put it back into my jacket. So hey, you're glad you had that I, with it, huh? <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So um and it's funny because um you know I told that story to Chad Hoover at that event who is the guy that runs kayak bass fishing. You know, he's got a big YouTube channel, whatever. If you're in the kayak fishing world, you know who Chad Hoover is. Um but I had told that story and that got featured on one of his vlogs. Um from the event and then uh, right after that aired he aired another video and he did the same thing I did he was going to pull out his phone and fumbled it and into the lake it went uh, so he didn't learn from your mistake huh no no <laughs> so now now he's got a tether so it was funny like um, I had taken a picture of uh, myself and him talking on his blog off my TV and I had posted it to Instagram and he said, uh, he said, no worries, man. I made this same mistake. I should have listened to you. 
um, I'm about to drop the video in two days. And then sure enough, he, he posted it and, uh, it was like, yep, if you would have listened, <laughs> but, and it, um, and, you know, we, you don't, we talked about that. Uh, we talked about that whenever y'all had me on y'all's podcast, like that was a big learning experience for me, learning from your mistakes. And, uh, you know, now I've got, I've got a waterproof phone case that I can slide my phone into and it yeah. zips up and then buttons and I can still use my phone. It's basically just a thick plastic bag and I can yeah. still use yeah, my yeah. phone and everything. It's got a little lanyard on it. I can take it. I can put it around the, the, uh, bar of my seat so where it's tethered in my feet or I can put it around my neck. So I ain't got to, I can just hang from my neck either, either way. You know, it's not going anywhere. I mean, it, around my neck. If I fall in, I guess it's going in with me, but it's still in that waterproof bag, so it right, should be good. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, man. I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, like you know, uh, the podcast I do, your podcast here. It's just, it's all about sharing your experiences to hopefully help somebody learn from that um, experience you had on whatever body of water you know, uh, whatever bait you were throwing or losing your phone or, you know, something like that. I mean, that's, that's the the goal, man, is just, uh, you know, sharing your experiences and helping others out. You know, it's, I've had so many people reach out to me, um, that were like, I never thought about tethering my phone. Like, thanks for sharing that, you know? Um, so it's, it's one of those things, man. It's something you don't necessarily think of. Um, I mean, let's face it, we all have our phones on us because we want to get that selfie with that bass after we catch <laughs> it, or, you know, you you want to get that sunset on the lake picture, or, you know, like the other uh, morning, I had a deer come down feeding right next to me on the shoreline, you know, I'm out fishing, so I'm taking pictures of that, you know, so we always got our phones on us, and, you know, um, I, you know, I use my phone so much, not only for personal stuff, but for business. And it's like, if I don't have a phone, I'm kind of screwed, you know? So it's, it's one of those things. And I know there's a lot of other people out there like me, whereas, you know, they lose their phone, they're disconnected from their livelihood, their life, everything else, you know, I mean, as bad as that sounds, I mean, I hate, you know, that the electronic gizmos are, you know, are like a, a, third arm to us but you know um in today's day and age you know like we just need it for you know certain things in our lives but um you know so if i can say you know not only that but they're not cheap so if i could save somebody a few hundred bucks by not dropping a phone in the water you know amen so yeah that that sucks for you because you know you had to go out and buy a new phone and everything but you really helped a lot of people, it sounds like, to realize. Yeah. Cause before, before I heard that story, all I had was I had like a like a hard plastic waterproof box. I would put my phone yep. and my wallet and my keys and everything in there. Yeah. But, uh, but like if I used my phone, I'd just pull it out of there and you yeah. know, hold my phone in my hand. I guess that's kind of how you were doing. But yeah. Now yeah, I, got I was the same way. I, I used to have that same little waterproof box. I would throw all my stuff in there. 
and I would have that tethered to my boat. But when you go to pull the phone out, you know, they that's not tethered to anything. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, it's just a, a crucial thing to do when you're on the water. Just a, well, like I always say, my thousand dollar mistake has saved others thousands of dollars. So it was worth it. It was worth it. So. And you know, the the next person's big mistake might save you money, and you know, you might come yep. back around to you. <laughs> yeah, hi, buddy. I can I can give you uh, some advice that you probably already know, but hey, maybe not. I was uh, it was actually right after I, y'all had me on your podcast. I went up to Kentucky, Bowling Green, Kentucky, and okay. I was on a there's a part I was staying at a, in a cabin at a campground at a KOA campground up there in Bowling Green, and right across the street there's a park called Basil Griffin Park, and it's okay. got it's got a I think it's like a 30-something acre lake on on oh, there. Nice. So kind of a small lake, but, you know, great for a kayak. Sure. And uh, it's got a lot of islands and stuff out in the middle, so I was really eager to go out and fish that. I took my kayak up there with me, and, uh, you know, I was throwing a whopper flopper, and I threw it out, and I got – I hit a tree limb, and it got stuck on it. And I'm, like, trying to pull it back like ripped it back out of the tree and I ripped it back out of the tree. All right. It come flying back at me and hit me in the nose. And I, Ooh, yeah, I got, so I got one little cut on the side of my nose. And then after it hit me, it flew off to the other side of the kayak into the water. But I got so lucky with that. Cause I, you know, two treble hooks, you know, that could mess you up pretty good. Oh yeah, but oh yeah, especially it, if you're not wearing sunglasses or anything I did have like sunglasses that. on, so I I think that had a lot to do with saving me. But I, I swear, I felt like I got punched in the face when that thing hit me. It hit me hard. <laughs> oh yeah, I've uh, I've done that several times, and I've actually gotten a a, a hook in the tip of my nose before, actually mm. twice. But uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's one thing, man. You know, like. Yeah, we wear polarized sunglasses for, for you know, seeing into the water and things like that. But in the event that you're talking about, I mean, that could have, that could have, you could have lost an eye, dude. You know, like, yeah, it could have been mean, bad. You know, not to sound like grandma or, or you know, uh, what is that movie, The Christmas Story? You're gonna shoot your eye out with that thing, Ralphie. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, things like that can happen when you least expect it. Um, but um yeah i mean uh i'm glad you are all right and uh but yeah i mean even um even today i had an instance cuz again we're fishing rock bottom and uh i got a bait pinched up in some rocks and i thought it was a bite and uh i went to set the hook and the bait came flying out of the water and flew right past me so um but I mean, I've seen it when uh, I've seen it, guys. You know, go to pull that out of the tree or go to pull it out of you know rock or whatever, and that bait comes flying. It'll hit your arm. You get a hook in your arm. You know, leg. You know, whatever. Um, so you know, just be cautious when you're ripping that stuff out because. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm much get... more careful about it now. <laughs> and and yeah, you know the, the bad part about it is in a kayak, 
you can float. Like I, I could have just floated right up to it and pulled it out. Yeah, but, but, but you didn't want to blow out the spot you were fishing. It, I know yeah. how it goes. <laughs> and, and so I was just trying to get it back to me. But uh, I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, those whopper ploppers ain't cheap. They ain't cheap no, at all, man. No, they're so. not. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm the same way. Even if it's a Ned Rig head, you know, it's like, what, I get, what, six or eight of those for, like, what, three, four bucks, you know? And I, I hate losing those things, you know? But uh, you'll do whatever you can to get it out, so. Speaking of Ned Rig, let me ask you a question on that real quick. Uh, sure. I heard I heard something this week, and I hadn't really thought about it, but it made a lot of sense. A guy was telling me that he heard of people, uh, you know, when they use Cinco's, whenever the Cinco starts getting wore out to where it's about time to throw them away, they'll just cut them off where the end piece is usually still pretty good and intact. They'll just cut them, cut them off and use that end piece as uh, uh, to on a Ned rig. It, is, yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that something that you've done? Yeah. Um, I think I've done it once or twice because I ran out of, uh, a certain color and it wasn't a used Senko. It was a brand new one. <laughs> I was, uh, I was fishing the river, um, and you know, uh, it was springtime, early summer. Um, the water was kind of dirty. So, um, I always like throwing black blue flake and I just ran out of, um, you know, the Z-Man Ned Briggs or, you know, Ned Plastics and uh, I had some black blue flake uh, four-inch Senko, so I just cut them in half and I put them on there. Um, it definitely works for sure. Uh, I've caught fish that way. Um, you know, there is a difference though that uh, that Z-Man plastic at Elastec um, it's very buoyant the way um, the plastic that they use. So it definitely affects like the the rate of fall in the water, the way it stands up, things like that. Um, whereas like a Senko, it's got a different weight, so it'll fall faster. Um, it'll still stand up if you're using an actual Ned head, but that tail doesn't like shake like the Elastec does because of the Elastec's buoyancy. Um, so, I mean, there's a little bit different, a little bit of a difference in the actual presentation between the Z-Man actual Ned Rigs and then, like, you know, there's a lot of brands out there that are making, you know, Ned Rig-style uh, plastics. Um, I personally feel that the action's a little different, but, you know, yeah, that's a great way to use use up uh, some banged up Senkos. Yeah, um, and I was like, I really like the idea because I've mentioned here on my podcast before. I'm a budget fisherman. You know, I'm sure, uh, sure. We all know, are, man. Trust me, <laughs> we all are. It, just some 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 people's budgets are are different than others, but I feel you, man. If you if you can take a Senko that got beat up from your three odd offset hook and then use it again for uh, a dead rig, man, uh, definitely do it. I mean, it'll work. It's, it's going to be the same presentation style. Um, it's just going to be the action is slightly different. 
but it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that different action is going to turn the fish on more than the other way. So, I mean, that's the thing too, is like, you know, one day they'll like that slow fall. The next day they might like that little bit faster fall. Um, you know, fish are weird. You know, they change every day. They eat different things. They do different things. They behave differently. Um, you know, just due to changes in their environment. So, um, you know, by all means, man, if you got some banged up Senkos, cut them up, use them. And then after you get done using them, save those plastics and send them to my buddy Eric Richards at Hammered Lures. He'll melt yeah. them down into new plastics and donate them to Heroes on the Water. That was a shameless plug, so. Sorry. Well, I, I was at, I was at, when we were talking about that. I was actually gonna think about asking you if you wanted to plug that because, like, I really like the idea. I, I support our uh, military and everything, so uh, yeah, that right there, helping veterans get on the water and fish. I think it's a really cool idea. I like that. Heck yeah, um, man. Yeah. If you'll yeah, if you'll send me the address. I'll put it in the show notes for this here. That way, if people do want to save their soft plastics and send them to them, uh, they yeah. can get it off here. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll send that to you um, after we get off the phone here. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, Eric, you know, he doesn't make any money off that. It's just something he does um, out of the goodness goodness of his heart. It was something he mentioned to us. And uh, we wanted to help him out with that, so uh, we've been promoting the crap out of it, out of it this year. And um, from my understanding, there's quite a bit of plastic that's been saved and sent. I know uh, when I saw Eric uh, when I was in Ohio Fourth of July weekend, um, I think I handed him like two sandwich baggies just full of plastics. I mean, just. Well, the one was, like, totally stuffed. Couldn't fit another one in there, and the other one was probably, like, half full or something. Three quarters, I don't remember. But, um, you know, we got some tournament trails and stuff that are saving, uh, you know, guys come back to the weigh-in, and, you know, they're throwing their plastics in a bucket and then shipping them to them. And, I mean, it's just a, a great thing that he does, and, I know he uh, he just got another guy to help him out with, like, melting down and making new plastics out of them. But, um, yeah, Eric's a good dude. He makes uh, he makes some cool plastics, too. Um, you know, his company name's Hammered Lures. I like the, uh, the Ripper, which is his, uh, I think it's like a three-inch or three-and-a-half-inch swim bait. And uh, he's also got the Hammered Tail Worm which is like a nice little finesse worm to you. So that's cool. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say like, man, I got a lot of respect for him for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Same here, man. I mean, like I said, he, he, he does that out of his, the goodness of his heart. And that, that was one of his ideas, man. Like I said, and, We've, uh, we've just, you know, when he mentioned it, I was like, we need to get together. I want to help promote this. Um, you know, I, you know, I just spread the word about what he's willing to do. And, uh, I think it's, it's very cool what he does. 
Hey, I want to ask you a couple questions here, and then I'll let you uh, get back to what you're doing. I know you probably got some stuff to yeah. set up and whatnot. I know you said you didn't sleep too much before tournament, but I'm sure. No, I'm always second-guessing myself, so I kind of lay there. <laughs> and then the next thing I know, the alarm's going off, and I'm like, oh, here we go. But, uh, yeah, man, shoot, shoot, whatever you got, man. So this is a couple questions that I'm wanting to ask uh, everybody I interview on here. One of them is if you if if there's a brand new bass fisherman and he asks you what three like he's gonna go to Bass Pro Academy, wherever he's gonna go, and he's gonna buy three lures to help him start bass fishing and he asks you which ones he should buy, what three lures would you recommend that he pick up? Uh, I would say some Senkos, um, like a five-inch Senko worm. Um, usually, like my go-to is um, either black blue flake uh, for uh, dirtier water. Sometimes it works in clear water, too. Or um, uh, what is that other one? Gobi is the other color I really like, um, and that's good for all around. It's kind of like a watermelon, watermelon type color. Now, um, before you go too far with with the Cinco, uh, would you recommend Texas rig or Wacky rig, or how, how would you recommend him to fish um, that? So I usually. Uh, I usually fish a Texas rig. I think it's just easier than wacky rig for somebody starting out. Um, so yeah, definitely Texas rigged with like a three odd offset hook. Um, so that way you can rig it weedless, things like that. Um, let's see, bait number two, probably, probably a white spinner bait, uh, or any kind of spinner bait. And then, um, I don't know, man. I'm a huge fan of the Ned Rig nowadays. That's a nice one for fishing the bottom, going slow, a little bit of finesse. Um, and then, so you, I was gonna say, and then you can repurpose those uh, five-inch Stinkos whenever you wear those out with the Ned Rig. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Ned Rig, um, I like using the 15-pound heads. Uh, sometimes I'll go to the 10th ounce, um, but Ned Rig can be on the bottom. Uh, Texas Rig, uh, normally you're working through that through the weeds or the middle part of the water column. Um, and then the spinner bait you can use as a search bait, you know, so that's something you're working a little faster. You can cover more ground. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that would probably be, be the three baits I'd recommend. The spinner bait I might like change up here or there, but um, it would also depend on too, like where do they plan on fishing? That would probably be my first question. But if we're talking three general baits, I'd say like those three would be good all around baits to to get out and throw at all times of the year. Cool, cool. Um, so my next question is if you gonna give one piece of advice yeah, sorry I can't talk. <laughs> if you were gonna give one piece of advice to a brand new fisherman 
what would that be? Don't give up. Just keep fishing. You know, I see a lot of guys that um, they get all gung-ho, they get a bunch of gear, go out there, and they'll fish a few times and they won't catch a fish. Um, just don't give up. Just keep going. Keep looking up as much info like we talked about at the beginning. Like, it's a never-ending learning process. Just keep bettering yourself, keep learning, and keep learning new techniques. Uh, you know, to fish, things like that. Um, but the key part there is just don't give up. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on here and, you know. Yeah, absolutely, man. All this advice with us. Uh, you want to run through some plug sponsors and all that real quick? Oh, geez, man. <laughs> um, so, uh Facebook, um, you can find me at Brian Schiller, uh, S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R. Facebook, I also got um, the Paddle and Fin podcast page and the Sly Dog Fishing page. That's mostly uh, me. The Sly Dog Fishing is me posting, like, uh, a lot of my fishing stuff. Um, Instagram is uh paddle and fin paddle the letter n and fin and sly dog fishing at sly dog fishing um i have a blog on the paddle and fin website which is paddle the letter n and fin.com um what else paddle and fin podcast uh found on like 12 different podcast platforms uh also youtube just look up paddle the letter n and fin um but uh yeah man uh i appreciate you having me on and if anybody listening to this ever has a question or something about anything we talked about or anything fishing related um feel free to reach out to me on social media my website whatever um you know it's it's all about you know sharing and helping each other learn um so that that's a huge thing um sponsorships uh rocktown adventures that's the kayak shop uh i rocktown adventures kayak fishing team i'm the team manager there um elysian fishing rods southern lake company um who am i forgetting uh, i think that's right, basically I'm- it yeah, I'm trying to think of all your sponsors too. See if I can. Yeah, give them yeah. I, I I don't have very many. Like I I keep I keep that stuff kind of low key for the most part. Um, you know, um, I support a lot of local companies, or I shouldn't say local, uh, smaller companies. Uh, the other one is uh, Fish Mob Lures. Uh, that's my buddy Jay Randall. He's one of my co-hosts. He makes. Um, buzz baits and some uh, swing head jigs, jigs, uh, spinner baits, things like that. So yeah, I want to uh, try some of some of his buzz baits eventually. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. That, Like I talked about, man, black buzz bait, my favorite top water, it's his buzz bait. It's got uh, two blades. It's got a quad blade in the center and a two blade on the outside. And they run really straight. Um, you can run them quiet or really loud. 
So I like the versatility there. Um, but yeah, give those a, uh, a, a try for sure. Um, you know, I, I forget what they cost, um, but they're worth every dime. Um, you know, I love them. I've been throwing them for over a year now and, uh, Jay makes some good stuff. So check them out. Yeah, I definitely will. Yeah, man. Yeah. But other than that, I think that's it. But yeah, man, again, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. This is a lot of fun, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate you coming on and, and just sharing your advice and everything, taking the time out of where you could be preparing for your tournament tomorrow. And best of luck in that tournament tomorrow. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah, no, this uh, this kind of takes my mind off all that stuff. So <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of nice to just like not be thinking about fishing right now. I mean, it's weird as that sounds, but um, you know, it's kind of kind of nice to take my mind off of it for a minute and uh, you know actually talk about some stuff so i dig it man i dig it and uh congrats again i'm starting the pod and uh dude keep keep going man i'm digging what you're putting out so well i appreciate it man but uh if you yeah, win tomorrow buddy. you're gonna you're gonna be wanting to call me every time before tournament to oh, help you know, that's right. <laughs> yeah yeah that's what we'll have to do man we'll have to do a podcast before every tournament if that's that. <laughs> That's how it works out. So. I'm down. I'm down. Yeah, yeah. So, I well, was uh, a pleasure, man. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, if you ever want to have me back on, man, feel free to reach out. Uh, definitely dig it, man. Uh, definitely. All right. Well, take it easy. places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.